there are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Mishpatim, Tov Shin Pei Gimel. Also, this week is Parshas Shekalim, the first of the four special readings that bring us into Chodesh Adar, which of course then brings up the next highlight of the Shabbos, which is of course Shabbos Mavarchim, Reish Chodesh Adar will be this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. At the very outset, I would like to apologize for my very, very distinct lack of voice. Fortunately, the weather and other factors have attacked me, but whether the voice is good or not, I hope the Torah that we're going to learn together is still absolutely first class and totally genuine. And therefore, please, if you can, overlook the somewhat defective uh, delivery of the of tonight's uh, uh, show, and Bez Hashem will be able to persevere and uh, and learn learn together. So Pasha Mishpatim, it's a fascinating Pasha, and there's a very very seminal pasuk that says Va'anshe Kodesh to Yunli, which means people of holiness, you shall be to me. Now. This is a very, very, very important pasuk because it really sets the guidelines and the outline of what a Jew has to be. It's not enough for a Jew to just be good and upright. And of course, these are very, very noble, enviable attributes for anybody else. Any other human being who would achieve those attributes is considered a great, great person, a great, great contributor to the world. But, of course, as Yidin, we answer to a higher authority and a higher calling. We have to strive to attain Kedusha. Kedusha means holiness. Our Nishamas, our souls, are pure. And it is therefore incumbent upon us to do everything within our ability to sustain our neshamas, pure and pristine nature. It is due to this heavenly mandate to achieve Kedusha that the dynamic concerning what we may do, where we may go, what we may eat, and how we should live comes into play. For a Jew... Everything comes under the rubric of, of Kedusha. Arav Nachman Breslava Zatzal teaches that Kedusha is strongly linked to Simcha, happiness. One who is filled with positivity, whose outlook on life is joyful, use every sort of juncture of life, regardless of the challenges that must be overcome, as an opportunity through which he may come closer to HaKadosh Baruch This is unfortunately very different 
then the very misguided concept that which equates sort of Kedusha with asceticism. One who is holy does not run from this world. He's not depressed. A Kaddush infuses his holiness to become a vehicle of joy and inclusiveness, not gloom and and isolation. Is of the opinion that Kedusha in man represents the highest degree of moral freedom in which our mill, our will, our moral will is no longer engaged in a struggle, but is absolutely ready to do the will of our Baruch Hu. Furthermore, he adds, in Yiddishkeit, the entire concept of Kedusha of holiness is especially connected with sanctification. Holiness is not to be concentrated. It should not be the exclusive domain of a mere few. The purpose of holiness is to sanctify others. Holiness is not a private enterprise. This is 11.9. Chai FM. The program is soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is soul to soul. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Mishpatim, Tav, Shin, Pei, Gimel. Apologize for not being available last week to say the Shir Baruch Hashem. It was for a good, good reason, but we're back. And just a second apology again, just to apologize for my very, very great lack of, of voice. Um, fortunately, I think I may have left it somewhere. You know, that my wife always tells me I'm not responsible to look after anything. So, but Baruch Hashem, I hope the Torah we're going to speak is so pure and so clear that it transcends even the very poor delivery this week and we'll be able to learn and grow and get something out of this time spent together. So this week, one of the specialities of this Shabbos is that it's Shabbos Pasha Shkolem. It's the first of the four very special readings that we always read around this time of year, around Chodesh Adar. And in fact, as we said, this week is the Shabbos immediately proceeding which will be on Tuesday and Wednesday, followed, of course, by Pasha Zohar on the Shabbos before Purim, and then Pasha's Parah, which will follow on the Shabbos immediately after that. And the final Shabbos before Rosh Chodesh Nisan is the Pasha of Pasha's HaChodesh, which gets us ready for Pesach and many of his mitzvahs. So let's talk a little bit about some of the interesting things that our great, great sages have to say about Pasha Shkolem specifically and a few other things in, in general. There's an incredible Shlakarsh, which is actually uh, uh, brought elsewhere. He says that it's always important when it, and when events and times of the year roll around that we should be learning the Mishnayot that deal with those periods. For instance, when we have Shabbos Pasha Shkolem, so it's worthwhile to learn the Mishnais of Mesech Hashkolem, which is the Mesechta in, in the order of, of Mayit. 
when we get, let's say, to Pasha's Poro. So in the book of Tyrus, there's a Meseches Poro. There's a Mesech that talks all about the, the Poro Aduma. Right? When we talk about Pasha's Achoydish, and we get to the midst of Kiddush HaChodesh. So there are prokim in the, in the Mishnahis in Rosh Hashanah that deal exclusively with how the Bezdin used to sanctify the new month in, in the time of the Besmikdash. And then you could also learn Mesechus Pesachim, because a lot of the Parshat HaChodesh deals with the laws of, of the Korban, of the Korban Pesach. Right? With all the Yom Tovim, we can learn Mesechus Beitzo, or some called Meseches Yontif, Meseches Chagiga, which deals with, uh, with the Korbonus that are brought by each person on Yontif, and Moikotin, which deals extensively with the laws of Cholmoy. So those are all Yontif Tik, uh, And, <coughs> when we come to the 14th of Iyar, which is Pesach Sheni, so they're Prokim in the Mishnahis of, of Psochim, that deal with the process of what happened, on Pesach Sheni. And obviously on, on Purim, we can learn, uh, we can learn Mesachas Megillah, etc., etc. And the reason of all this is based on what the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Daf Aleph, that anyone who learns and discusses any relevant sukkim or topics at the time of the year when they are current, so he brings all kinds of goodness to the world. As the Pasuk says, Udavar something in its correct time. How good, how wonderful it is. And also in Mesachas uh, Seifrim, it says that anyone who mentions a Pasuk, a relevant discussion in our sages in the correct time, HaKadosh considers it as if he bought, as if he built a new Mizbeach and brought Karbonus on that, on that Mizbeach. So that's a beautiful thing to do. When the Yantav time comes around, to learn some Mishnayas. Mishnayas are easy to do. Each one is basically a standalone Mishnah. And we get so much knowledge, so many ideas, so many, uh, insights into general topics. They're not long and thorny and, and, and extensive, like going through a Gemara, but a, a, uh, a learning Mishnayas is like headlines. You're getting lots and lots of information, but you get a very, very broad-based strokes idea and concept of whatever the topic is at, at hand. So that's very, very much worth, worth it. In the Sefer Lakut Yehuda, he brings that it's brought down the name of the Orzurua and the Chedush who said that when you read, let's say, Pasha's boy, so then you're already exposed to the Kedusha of the Chag of Pesach. When you read Pasha's Peshalach, so then you get an opportunity to sample from <coughs> the Kedusha of the holiday of the seventh day of Pesach. When we lay in Pasha's Yisroi, so there you get the Kedusha already of Chag Ashwas, of Kabbalah Satayra. Pasha's Mishpatim, so then you already get the flavor of Rosh Hashanah. Because Rosh Hashanah is all about judgment. It's all about the judgments. Right? When you read Pasha Shkalim, so that is like Yom Kippur. 
because it says in Perak, uh, what we're going to read on, on Shabbos, it says, Lechaper Anav Shosechem, giving the shekel atones for us. That's in Yachom Kippur. When you read Parshas Bekudeh, so there it mentions that the, the pillar of cloud traveled in front of the Jewish nation. That's an allusion to Kaga Sukkos, because we know that Sukkos is a commemoration of the Ananya covet, of the clouds of, of glory that surrounded the Jewish, the Jewish nation. The Oyev Yisrael brings in Pashish Kalim, and he says, when a person, Chas Shalom, does something that is incorrect, he does an, an Avera, Chet, and that somehow, of course, impugns his perfection, his soul. So then, unfortunately, he becomes, uh, separated, right, from, from, from the, the, the holy elements of, of the Jewish, of the Jewish nation. Uh, which of course is the, the being in their environment is the ultimate purpose of, of existence. And even to that place where his neshama is connected in the highest spots, that connection becomes somewhat tenuous if we do others. And therefore, when we have the Jewish nation, God forbid, on a communal level, committing or doing something that they shouldn't be doing, so also, they become separated from their place and their connection to the highest sources of spirituality in, in, in the world. And they then lose that connection to the uniqueness, to the oneness, to the yichud, which is the, 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 the kisiyakovit. And instead of being one whole entity, of goodness, of perfection, of shlemus, they become like two, like two hobs. And all that's left is, is like a, a, a half a body. Right? And what's, how do, how do we rectify this problem? Is that when a person does tshuva, when he does a complete tshuva with a full heart and, and, and resolves to fix up whatever it is they did wrong. And he connects himself to the, to the, again, to the, to the uniqueness, to the, to the oneness, to the entity of, of Kaiso. And they all connect and they all re, sort of re, reestablish their connection to their source in, in, in the holiest places. That connects the, the whole oil, the whole structure of the whole world to become, to, to, to become one. And therefore, when Kleisel unfortunately did the sin of the ego, and that create, created great distance, a great chasm between themselves and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, both in terms of the individual and the Jewish nation. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted once again to bring them close to him, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu so desires to do good and, and kindness for that we should all be connected back to the source. Therefore, Kadosh commanded that every single person should give a half a shekel to the Beis Hamikdash, to the treasury in the Beis Hamikdash, 
and therefore they would all be joined together with the with the entity of Klai Yisrael, and all would bring the Korbanus to, together. It's a little bit of an insight. See, nowadays we don't have a base of Mikdash, and uh, you know, we, we don't give our Shkolim for for Korbanus to get atonement. Nevertheless, we say, let our, let our mouths take the place of our Korbanus. And when we read this Pasha, on Pasha's Shkolim, and we read it with Yiris Shemayim, and with the desire to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that tr- creates a tremendous, tremendous connection between, between, uh, between, uh, between ourselves and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is 101.9. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with so much more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas Mishpotim. Tov Shin Gimel. Shabbos Mavorchim. Chodesh El. Pashas Shikolim. As we enter the Chodesh of El. So much is the banner, banner Shabbos. A warm welcome back to all of you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being part of our show. Thank you for allowing yourselves to hopefully be exposed to some real Ideas, there's some real Torah that will strengthen us, that will give us a, a kind of the right mobility, that will give us the right inspiration to prepare ourselves for this beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. And of course, as we approach Chaydish Adar and, and Purim and, and the Pasha is full of the concept of, of Tzedakah and, and giving, let's, let's spend a little bit of time. You know, there's a Pasuk in the Sixth Pasha that says, Im, Kesef, Talve es Ami. And the, the, im sometimes is translated as if. Rashi says this is one of the three times where im cannot be translated as if, but rather is translated as when. It's a definite thing that every Jew is going to lend money to other, other Jews. to the impoverished amongst you. And there's an incredible comment of the Orachayim HaKadosh. On this pasuk, he says as follows: Because our Kaddish Baruch Hu, in his tremendous kindness, gives a, a tremendous outpouring of goodness, right? Which which is is given in great generous doses, dallops, to every single Jew, to fill up every single lack, every single need that he has. Now. Says Unfortunately, when a person does Averis, and therefore he's not no longer deserving of receiving his parnos, receiving his income with great dignity, directly from the hands of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So then, Hashem doesn't take away his portion. Hashem doesn't now make okay. This person is not going to get any income. No. It's it's not taken away totally, but it's gathered into one place, a different place. And now his parnasa is dependent on other people. And now he's he's going to eventually get the parnasa, but it's going to be a long process. 
And sometimes it's going to involve all kinds of embarrassment. Some kind, sometimes it's going to involve many, many, uh, acts of, of, of self, self-effacement or, or sometimes even, even, even thrown down to the, to the ground figuratively or figuratively in order to get his, his, uh, his, his parnasa. Right? And, and, uh, and, uh, that's, that's how a Kodesh Baruch Hu, uh, decreed that it should be. And Hashem will do it. <coughs> in this manner. Right? Because, um, not to punish. Or in any way, chas uh, uh, take revenge against a person. But for two very, very, very positive reasons. Number one, that whatever a person did wrong that caused him not to be able to get his panasta directly from the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So by, by, by the little bit of suffering and, and, and indignation that a person will suffer in this world, that pays him back in this world for whatever negative things he may have, may have done so that he can, his neshama can return pristine and clean and, and, imp, and, and not, and pure of any, of any sin to its, to its source in, in next Likisiyakovit. That's the one reason. And the second, that the person who becomes responsible for this person's panasa, be it his, his employer, be it a benefactor, be it the household, uh, uh, you know, the house owner on whose door he or his representative knocks in order to get some money, so that the, the, the person giving the money through the means of his giving tzedakah and chesed to this other Jew, that gives him tremendous, tremendous zuchos also. And that's what it means. Im kesef talves ami. When you lend money to my people. In other words, if you saw that you had a lot of money, you had more money than you need for yourself. Right? And, and therefore, what are you going to use the money for? You're going to lend it out to my, to my people. You should know that whatever money you have that's more than what you need is not yours. And you don't deserve to have it. It's only given to you. It's actually that money belongs to other other people, which are the ani imach. Your money that you have, anything that you have that is excess of what you need is not your money. You're just a custodian for other yidden who haven't yet realized that they're, they're their, their potential, their earning potential, and it's your job to distribute that money to those who need it, to those who the money actually deserves to be with. In other words, explains the Orachim, that if you see that uh, uh, someone has a, tre- a tremendous amount of, of money, and that you have more than what you actually Need. Again, no one's saying you have to be destitute. Everyone is allowed to have enough to live comfortably and certainly not have to worry about where the next meal is going to come from, where they're going to finish the, the, uh, the month. So then any money that you have extra that is now free for you to lend out to someone, remember Esha on your Remember, this is not your money. It's the money that actually belongs 
to the Ani that you are just safeguarding for him. You are just the trustee to look after it for him until it's time for you to give it over to its rightful owners. Because HaKadosh Baruch who runs the world in, in, in this is, in this special kind of way. Hashem gives more to some than they need in order that they should pass it on to somebody else. Now, since HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants that there should be in this world chesed, kindness, and, and giving, and people uh, should be should be uh, uh, sympathetic and, and sensitive one to another. Therefore, Hakadosh Baruch Hu created in in the world a sort of a a a, a, a roller coaster, a fixed roller coaster of money that's transferred amongst people. Right? What is why is why is money called zuz? Because it moves around from one person to another person. The fact that one has money today is no guarantee you're going to have it tomorrow. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives one person maybe more than what he needs but for his uh, for his uh, maintenance and, and upkeep. And the whole reason is that is that he should then pass that money on to someone else who, who needs it. Based on this, explains Yorachayim HaKadosh, the Pesach is as, means as follows. It says, Im Kesef Talve, if you're going to lend, when you're going to lend money, and obviously the question arises, why does it say Im? Which, although I said, in this case, Im means when, how come it uses the words that implies uh, that it's something optional? If you give, why doesn't it say that giving stock is an obligation? So Rashi answers, this is one of the three places where it is an obligation. Right? And it says, it's as if it says, kasher, talbe, when you will lend. But still, the question is nonsense. Why did the Torah write it in such a way, in such a parva kind of way? If you'll give, you know, then, then give to your poor people. Says Lord the intention is as follows. Right? Im Kesef, if you see a bracha in your hard industrious work and you have extra money that you're not using at the moment and you could lend it to a poor person, you should know this money that you have is not your money. This money is the money of the Ani. And you are just the custodian, you are just the trustee that's in, that's meant to be giving it to him as, as a, as a loan. And that really explains how we find in, in halacha that in a situation, if you have money that you're not sure where it comes from, you're not sure, is it, is it your money or is the money that you actually set aside uh, to give to Tzedakah, the Allah is one has to be, Machim, one has to be strict, and give it to, to, uh, to Ani. And that's in fact, what the Rambam, what the Rambam Paskins, in the laws of Matan Saniyam, he says as follows, uh, if let's say you are harvesting a field, and some grains, some stalks of grain, fall to the ground, 
what we call leket, and you didn't gather it up, right? And nor did the aniyim pick it up. And now the owner of the field comes and piles up those, his, his, all his stalks, all his bundles on the ground. So what should he do? He should move his bundles. He should move his cash to one place. And whatever, uh, 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 sheaves are left on the ground, everything else should be left to the, the Aniyam. Because we don't know which one of them was the legend. <coughs> There's so much stuff left on the ground. Do I remember if it was one stalk that fell or two, which would be legend or three not? Leave it all for the, for the Aniyam, for the Aniyam. Because anything that's in the category of we're not being sure whether or not it belongs to the Aniyam or not, so it says, Tazai, leave it. Leave it there for the Aniyam that they should go and, and, and take it. And this seems actually very, very difficult. Because we're talking about here in, in, in questions of, of, of money, of financial ownership. And we know that law is that if, if uh, someone wants to elicit money from another person, if let's say a, a, uh, a lender wants to get money back from a borrower, the money is with a borrower. So it becomes incumbent upon the lender to prove that he's owed the money. If you want to get money out of another person, you have to, it's a, the, 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 uh, the, uh, it is the requirement of proof is upon that person. Now, in this case, the poor person is the person that's taking money that may in fact belong to the wealthy landowner. And therefore he should have to prove that this is really leket and therefore money that he, he deserves. Why does the Rambam say that no, leave it there. Uh, we're, we're strict on the, on the, on the rules against the usher and require him to leave there more than he actually might be required to leave. So based on what the Arachim HaKadosh says, we have to say that in this situation, where we're giving gifts to the poor people, the Ani is considered, not that he's trying to get the money from you, the Ani is considered the Balabas, it's his money. Right? All that's, all that's missing. It's, it's, it's been given to the wealthy person to look after it, to take care of it for him until the time that it has to be transferred to the, to the poor person. And therefore we shouldn't see that as if he is taking the money from the Balabas. On the contrary, the owner of the field, they are the ones that would need to prove that whatever grain is left on the field is not Leket, and that they should be able, the owners should be able to, to, to keep it. Because the, the poor person is muhsak. We assume that the money belongs to him, and therefore, the, 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 therefore the requirement of proof that it's not his would then be incumbent upon the owner of, of the fields. The Gemara in Ksuvis, Andav Samaches, uh, brings that Rav Yeshua ben Karcha, said, anyone who ignores the requirement to give tzedakah is as if he serves idols. How do we know? 
It says in one pasuk in Pashas Re'ei, Hisham Lacha, be very careful. Lest you have this empty-headed thought in your head that you're not going to give blend money to people because the Shemitah is coming and we know that in Shemitah all loans get cancelled. You decide, I can't lend money. That's one Pasuk. And there's another Pasuk that says, also in the same passion, Yotsu Anoshim Benebliyal. There it's talking about people that went and incited an entire city of Jews to serve idols. So we say, since the, the word Blial is used in both places, just like over there by the insider, we're talking about, God forbid, trying to get other people to serve idols, so too we're talking about the fact that if a person doesn't give tzedakah, it's as if he is believing and, and giving a value to idol worship. And we need to understand, why is this mitzvah of tzedakah so, so important that if a person doesn't give tzedakah, it's as if he's serving idols? So you have to understand, someone who doesn't give tzedakah proves that he does not actually believe that panosa comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sustains and gives income to every single thing that he created. And there are, those, there are some beings that therefore aren't deserving, for whatever reason, of getting their due amount. And therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives their money entrusted to somebody else in order that those people should transfer the money to them. And if you take the portion that really belongs to the Ani for yourself. So that is, there's, there's no greater act of, of, of heresy than, than that. Again, the Gmurk Subhastaf Memtes says that it's true that the Chachamim in Usha made a Takana that a person is required to sustain and feed his sons and daughters when they are children. But the Chachamim uh, cannot force a person to to uh, to enforce this this uh, this decree. That's what the Gemara says. However, says the Gemara that if the father is wealthy, then we can force him to feed his children, as we find that Rava forced. Rav Nosen Ba'ami and made him pay 400 Zuz for foot stucker. Toysus there asked in Baba Basa, how is it possible that Rava forced Rabbi Nosen to fulfill the mitzvah of stucker? Ah, the Gemara in Chulin says that all mitzvahs are say where the Torah mentions the reward for the mitzvah right next to it, Bezdin is not allowed to force someone to do the mitzvah. In other words, if the Torah details what the reward is for any particular fulfillment of any mitzvah, so then Bezdin cannot force someone to do the mitzvah. Now, Tzedakah, says Tysus, 
is a mitzvah where the Torah delineates exactly what the reward is supposed to be. It said in the Torah, Ki as a result of giving tzedakah, Hashem lakecham. Hashem is going to bench you. Hashem is going to give you all kinds of good, good things. So how could he be forced? How could he be forced to give, to give a, a, a tzedakah? So, Taisus answers two answers in the name of Rabbeinatam. The first one, Rava forced him, didn't, didn't actually use physical force, he convinced him to, to, uh, to do it. And number two, we're talking about where the, the community had, uh, had, had set up a system where every single person had to give a certain amount to Tzedakah and in that situation, if one person is refusing to give his allocated amount, then we are allowed to force him to, to give it. There's actually interesting, the third answer, in the name of the Ritzvah, he says that stalker isn't only a positive mitzvah, it's also a negative commandment. It says, Don't close your eyes, don't close your hand, and withhold the stalker from a poor person. But according to what the Archaim is saying, we can answer even better. The mitzvah of tzedakah is divided in its very essence and different from any other mitzvah say. All other positive mitzvahs, the whole purpose is to, to ensure that a person will fulfill the mitzvah that he is required to do. And therefore it's understood that when the Torah says, promises, a reward for the fulfillment of that mitzvah. So there's no longer a need for Bezdin to force someone to do it. Because the reward itself is what should be the incentive for the person in order to fulfill the mitzvah. But let's say by tzedakah. So then there's an additional purpose in giving tzedakah. Not only to worry to fulfill the mitzvah of, of donating tzedakah, but also to worry about the poor people that they should get their deserved money, which the wealthy person is just holding in trust for them. And therefore, we can force, even when a person is not mochuyuf to it, we can force him to do it because he's robbing the money from from somebody from somebody else. This is 101.9. The program is Chai FM. Is, this program is sold to soul on Chai FM. We'll be back in a moment with our Hilchos Shabbos segment. Stay tuned. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101 Chai FM. Well, this is sold to soul back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas Mishpatim Tov Shin Pei Gimel Shabbos Mevorchim Chodesh Elul Tov Shin Pei Gimel Pashas Shkolim It's a triple crown Shabbos thank you for joining us as part of our team as we get ready for a beautiful, powerful Shabbos Kodesh Again I apologize for my lack of audibility Baruch Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hashem Fit to give my voice a bit of a holiday, and therefore, as I say, I hope that the the clarity of the Torah we're speaking will make up more than compensate for the lack of audibility, and that Bez Hashem will still be inspired and walk into the Shabbos absolutely 
ready for, for Shabbos. As we always do at this time to give you the important times and details you need for this coming Shabbos Kodesh. So the earliest time for Ben Shinglich this afternoon is already at 5.28. 5.28 is the earliest time we can usher in the tremendous Kedusha of this Shabbos Kodesh. Still plenty of time. Still virtually three hours from now. We can get it all together. We can get the house Tibet, neat and tidy. We can get all the food heated with or without the trauma of of uh, our lights being on or off of load reduction, whatever they whatever they're currently uh, are calling it. And we can still be in our Shabbos best and get ready to receive the Shabbos Malka and prepare ourselves to go to shul on time. So five thirty, five twenty eight is the earliest time, the latest time for benching licht this Shabbos is at 6.31 one minute past half past half past six and uh, as it gets earlier every every single week is only about two or three weeks before we get back to uh, uh, one standard Shabbos lighting time so 6.31 is the latest time for lighting Candles, although of course many communities accept the standard Johannesburg Shabbos lighting time as being quarter past six. Obviously one follows one's own community and directives given by your own sort of shul newsletter, etc. And, uh, and make sure that by that time everything is ready. We don't use the time after candle lighting, uh, uh, for extra work, for things we didn't get done. That is only for extreme Injury time where you really, really are in an absolutely desperate situation. By 631, everyone should be in shul, the car key should be away, the candles should be lit, the table should be set. It should be completely and totally and utterly Shabbos in our homes, in our lives, and in our, in our minds. Shkia is at 649. That's the, as again, the absolute, even latest injury time. And therefore, if one wants to, Davin Mayrev in the correct time and not have to repeat Krishma over again uh, later. <coughs> so if you wait till 7 or 7, 7 minutes past 7, you can then say Krishma, either by that time you're home from shul or not, and then settle down to a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos meal, a Shabbos Suda, with so many beautiful things happening in the Shabbos. There's so much to talk about, so much to relate and share with one's family and make it the really, really special Shabbos it's meant it's meant to be. Tomorrow, of course, we lay the Parshas Mishpatim, which is the weekly portion. Many, many, many interesting and sometimes intricate halachas, much of it having to do with damages and, and toits and, and, and things like like that, but a lot, a lot of very, very big fundamental concepts that come out of there very, very worthwhile to go through the, the Rashi or whatever type of commentary you can get your hands on and really try to understand what the Pasha is is all about because it is also Pasha Shkalm, the first of the of the special readings for Khadish Adar. So we take out a second Sefer Torah and for the Maftir we lay in the first six Psukim of Pasha's uh, Kisisa as, as the special Maftir. And when you have a special maftir, you also have 
a special haftorah in the in the chumash printed a special haftorah for pashas shkalim from melachim melachim beis interesting interesting haftorah pay attention to it and you can be educated by by the haftorah also tomorrow is shabbos mevorachim for chodesh adar yishenichnas adar marbim besimcha as we prepare for the incredible, amazing Yom Tov of Purim, which Chodesh will be on Tuesday and Wednesday, a midweek Rosh uh, Chodesh, as we get into the Purim, the Adar, the Adar uh, 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 spirit. So Rosh uh, Chodesh on Tuesday and Wednesday of this coming week, which means we're just a little bit more than two weeks away from Purim. Purim is on obviously on Yudalid. Uh, Adar, it's a Monday night, Tuesday, I think the date is the 6th and 7th of March, so start getting your costumes out, start getting your shlachmanas parcels ready, or at least start thinking about what and how and when you're going to do whatever it has to be done to prepare for for Pesach. So because it's Shabbos uh, Avarachim, we don't say Avarachim, we don't say Askaras, uh, this coming, this coming, uh, 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 Shabbos, Shabbos morning, and whatever, whatever the, your, the minig is in your shul to do, in honor of Shabbos of Archim, be it a cholent, be it a shir, be it, uh, uh, a whatever it might be, enjoy it, and start getting yourself inspired, start getting yourself lifted off the ground, as we get prepared for, for Chodesh, for Chodesh El. Shabbos Chodesh ends, Tomorrow night at 721, 21 minutes past seven. And as you said, we have, we, we then prepare ourselves for, for the upcoming, for the upcoming Rosh Chodesh. <coughs> we are learning in our Shabbos segment. We are talking about what happens, uh, if you have boiling hot water and now you want to pour it into another cup, but that other cup is, is, uh, is wet. Now, we may mention that there's a very, very special factor in halacha that the, the, uh, the halacha is, is covers in incredibly uh, minute detail every possible situation. And because of the, the attention to detail to every kind of situation, we're then able to garner the principles that really drive the 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 halacha. Not only that, and through that, it also elevates the whole every action that a person does in his his entire life. Then comes under the spectrum and the umbrella of halacha, where halacha then dictates everything that we can we can do. And provides a spiritual reality for everything that comes up in our life. So let's take a very, very practical question. Are you allowed on Shabbos to pour boiling water, let's say from your urn, into a cup that there are drops of water already on the sides of the cup? So again, some say that since the prohibition of Bishel, cooking in the Torah applies even to drops, a few drops of water, 
so it will be forbidden to pour boiling water from the urn straight into a cup that has drops of water on its sides. Right? If, if particularly if the water is cold, because the hot water is going to cook those drops of cold water. And therefore, you have to dry very carefully the cup from any moisture that's in it. And only after that would you be allowed to pour in it the boiling water. And that, in fact, is the opinion of the English Moshe, of Moshe Feinstein. Right, on the other side of the coin, the opinion of many Poiskimists that there's no need to dry out a cup from any kind of liquid because that that's not what's called an act of Bishop. And it's actually even doubtful if, practically speaking, whether those drops will actually get cooked. And if they do get cooked, but you didn't want to cook those drops of water. His intention was just to pour the water into the cup. Right? He doesn't care at all about those drops of water that are on the on the side of the water. And and uh, in fact, that is the halacha, says the Tzitz Eliezer, that that you're allowed to. Now we make another distinction. It depending on whether this water was actually heated before. If was heated before, now let's say you had a cup of coffee and you finished the cup and now you want another cup of coffee. Since those drops of water were themselves actually at one point hot, then there's no problem at all to pour more boiling water into the, into the, into the cup. This is 101.9 FM. We'll be back in a moment with a final few comments. Stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Sol to Slow, back on the radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashim, Shpatim, Tavshim, Pei Gimel. Shabbos, Mavorchem, Chodesh, Adar, Tavshim, Pei Gimel. Pasha, Shkolem. This is our last, final few moments together. So we're talking about as follows. Last, based on what we learned before. Something that's cooked in a clearishon, in other words, the, the pot that was actually on the fire, that can cook any kind of food. And a klisheni only cooks the food that can be easily cooked. But a klishlishi, we say, doesn't cook at all. Except we had a discussion in the Paiskim around the question, what is the din of a very hot solid entity of food. Some say that even on a hot, solid entity of food, these rules also apply, and in the clearition, it would not be able to cook anything. And since as soon as that uh, that piece of, let's say that, let's call it a potato, that large, solid piece of potato is placed in a klishishi, it cannot cook any kind of food. And that, in fact, is the opinion of most of the poiskim, the Ramah, the Goyin, Primagodim, the Chasim Sefer. But, however, there are some poiskim that are machmir, and they paskin that all these rules about a klisheni and a klishishi only apply regarding those sort of liquid foods or soft foods that 
sort of come in full contact with the walls, the cold walls of the vessel. And therefore, once you've removed them from a klirishna to klisheni, and from a klisheni to a klishlishi, there's no longer any power to cook. But when we're talking about a big solid entity of food, let's say pieces of meat, or a kugel, or, or potatoes, right, or a, or a big clump of, of rice, since they're made into one solid entity, so their, their heat is kind of stored inside. And they're not so influenced by the walls of the, of the kli. And therefore, so long as they are hot and hotter than yad selerespoi, even if they're placed in a tenth kli, they have the power to, to cook. Practically speaking, since we're talking about a possible Torah prohibition, it's worthy to be to be machmia. However, if there's a, a doubt whether, let's say, such a situation of Bishel involves, perhaps we could be more more lenient. And therefore, any time where it's possible to touch that food and it, and, and to the touch, it's not so hot. It doesn't feel like it's a lettuce boy. Then you don't have to worry anymore about its ability to, to cook. That brings us to the end of our time. Just enough time to wish you all a wonderful, wonderful good Shabbos, a Shabbos full of so much bracha, Shabbos and Baruch of Chodesh El, and a Gurush Chodesh when it comes as you begin our countdown of preparation. For Chag Hapurim, let me just take the opportunity to wish all of you, first of all, to thank you all for listening, in spite of the difficulty you might have in sort of dealing with my raspy kind of uh, uh, elocution uh, today. But just anyway, to wish all of you a beautiful, inspiring, happy, and Sabchadik good Shabbos.